This week on Retronauts, we reticulate every spline. Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Retronauts. I'm your sometimes host, Bob Mackey. Who else is here today? Hi, I'm Cap Bailey, and I am not reticulating splines at this moment. Oh, man. I don't even know what that means. I don't. I still don't. But uh, we won't find out in this episode. Uh, yes. Who else is here? I'm Jeremy Parrish, the other sometimes host, and I've found that reticulans have no spines. Mm, I don't know what that means, but we'll move on. Who else is here today? I'm Michael Raparez, and I will stop at nothing to learn the origin of Porn Tips Gazardo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you must explain that, Michael. <laughs> uh, that is that is a cheat code that gets you like all the money in SimCity 2000. Uh, Oh, uh, yes, yeah. that old code. And that I have code. never been able to figure out where does that come from. Was there a guy named Gazardo who was giving them tips porn on tips? porn? I have no idea. I know one of the, the cheat codes in Duke Nukem 3D had the word cornholio in it. So uh, uh, I can't imagine where that was It gives from. you a peek into the window of the mentality of uh, 3D ROMs at the time. Mm-hmm. So, But we're not here to talk about cornholio today. That's on my spinoff podcast. We're here to talk about SimCity, the SimCity series, which kind of fell off a cliff a few years ago with a really unfortunate installment that has its bright moments, but still not the best way to carry forth the game's legacy. But we're going to talk about the good times uh, for the most part in this episode. But first, I did want to talk about the creator of SimCity, a little guy named Will Wright. Uh, actually, I'm not a sure. Little he's guy. Very little. <laughs> six that, inches tall. Yes, he's actually the world's smallest man. <laughs> I have him in my pocket right now. You want to see? <laughs> oh, man, no wonder he wouldn't email me back. Actually, I never emailed him. Uh, so uh, Will Wright, born in 1960, um, he kind of like just immediately became like a super designer. Uh, after his first title, which was the Broderbund title Raid on Bungling Bay. I don't know how to say that. Bungling? I always said it bungling. Me too. Bungling. I thought it was bungling bay. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the, the joke is bungling. The, the Japanese uh, katakana on the Famicom box, I know this, says bungaring. Bungaling, Bung, okay. Bungaringu. It's funny because I found this out through research. The bungling empire was a, the bad guys in Broderbund games. Mm-hmm. Like, they were the constant villains. And uh, this is essentially an overhead shooter that tasks the player with blowing up six factories on this big map with their helicopter while fending off counterattacks. But what's important about this game is that it contains the roots of SimCity's premise because over time, the factories would naturally grow. They would develop roads. They would develop better technologies. And if you didn't take them out in time, they would you know develop countermeasures against you that could blow you out of the sky. Has anyone ever played this game? It seems extremely primitive. It's a 1984 Commodore 64 game, I believe. No, nobody. No, no but yeah. I'll, I'll get to it on good intentions before too long. <laughs> Oh, that's right. There's a Nintendo port of this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, and it um, came to the U.S. Um, and it was released, I think, at the same time as Load Runner, which um, I believe they also said, yes, the bad guys in Load Runner, they're they're bunglings, they're, even though that wasn't in the Japanese. Oh, version. so they're also bunglings as well. Yeah, you're like the. The, the monks in the PC version became the bungling oh. empire in the, the NES version. They've come a long way. Uh, so, yeah, basically after doing this, like, Will Wright has um, – well, I need to explain who Will Wright is. Based on – I've done a ton of research about him. He seems like a guy – and he'll admit this. He's, he's a guy who gets really, really interested in topics, learns everything there is to know about that topic, and then moves on to the next thing. He's, like, obsessed with learning, obsessed with knowledge. 
Um, and basically, he started playing around with this tool for the Raid on Bungling Bay, an editor. He started developing it as a toy you can tinker with. Like, how can I make this um, into a, a simulated city, if you will? Like, he was really interested in urban planning at the time. He was really interested in learning how different social systems work together in, like, a giant, like, I guess, uh, machine of people. And uh, this eventually turned into SimCity. It's a little more complicated than that, though, because he tried to sell this idea to people. But the idea of a game you couldn't win was just too crazy for any publisher. Like, like how, you just you just play in this world and that's it. Like, there's no end state. There's no score. I mean, this was the mid '80s. So, just... how will people know when to trade their copies in? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that 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 should be considered a benefit to a game you can't win. But still, it was a very tough sell. But he met a Bay Area entrepreneur uh, named Jeff. Braun in the uh, in the mid '80s, and Braun encouraged him to go ahead with the game, and the two formed Maxis in '87 to develop and publish SimCity. It was such a strange and weird idea that no one would publish SimCity, and it, it basically created the Maxis Empire, who would go on to create the Sims. I think arguably the more popular uh, Will Wright franchise. I think mm-hmm. uh, it had more longevity. There's still the Sims. There's still there's no more SimCity anymore. But um. Again, SimCity does reflect Will Wright as a person. It, is, it does reflect his politics. He's he's very pro mass transit, being being a, a Bay Area guy, and he's also anti nuke, being a Bay Area guy. So those messages come through loud and clear in SimCity for sure. Foundational game designer, maybe one of the five most significant, maybe ten most significant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is very rare for someone to create two genres, you know, in and of themselves. Arguably, you could say The Sims had precedence and they it kind of did, but what what Wright did with it was much, much more different than was um, little Will computer Wright, people. Was Will Wright in that, can video games make you cry ad for EA? Mm, I, I don't, don't know. So. It's been a while since I've seen that, okay. but uh, yeah. Well, I know that he was heavily influenced by several of the people who were in there, including Danielle Bunton and people like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to go back and maybe I'll check that out before I post this episode. But uh, yeah, like I believe the scenarios were added to the game to make it more marketable where it's like you are dropped into this setting. Uh, there's a problem. You need to address it. And then if you address it before the time limits up, you win. So there are some like, I guess, levels of SimCity. But really, it is essentially about creating a city, being the uh, the mayor for life and, you know, just messing with this world and hopefully, you know, making a productive city. Not just the mayor for life, the mayor for all Eternity. Exactly. Uh, You're a time lord. You're beyond <laughs> time and space. That's true. Um, uh, with your uh, yeah, it's it's weird that uh, you cannot be deposed in any way in SimCity. <laughs> Maybe You're a you benevolent can. dictator. I hope so. I hope so. So um, kind of runs against his progressive views, doesn't it? I don't know if he's progressive. I mean, there was a scandal because he donated to McCain's campaign. But in terms of politics, uh, it's really hard to nail down Will Wright's politics because um, things that he creates seem to not be uh, an expression of conservative values. Like I feel like The Sims, it is like a very capitalistic message, but it feels satirical in, in that like everything you're doing is like what is the most money-making choice? Everything must be the most money-making choice. I, I think Will Wright is um, – too smart to partic- participate in in the current you know like political structure. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's above it. He's outside of it, I think. Mm. And maybe he is a progressive uh, in that way, like where he's not like I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican. But I've never really been able to pin him down. I think he's feeling the burn. <laughs> I think he might be feeling the burn. My favorite thing about Will Wright was that at every talk he would give a Russian space minute, where he would tell you about an ill-fated Russian space mission. He was just that kind of guy. 
Will Wright is that kind of guy, and I do want to go over his um, his life uh, after SimCity just to tell you like what what he's up to now. So of course, after The Sims, he went on to make Spore, which unfortunately did not create a third genre of games, uh, a third like new brand. It kind of failed miserably after a lot of hype, a lot of uh, you know. A lot of bad ideas, maybe. And yeah, I was at the GDC presentation where that was introduced. Like, I went not assuming anything interesting was going to be shown, and it was just like exploding my mind. But then the <laughs> game itself turned out to be kind of meh. But Thanks, the, the idea there was so good. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel that it's unfair to uh, chastise Will Wright for not creating the third most brilliant idea in the universe because, like, who in this world has created both SimCity and The Sims? I, two ideas that important. I mean, like, I feel Shigeru like... Shigeru Miyamoto. I mean, he is up there with Shigeru Miyamoto in terms of just creating uh, forms of uh, forms of expression for video games. Mm-hmm. So Will Wright was smart enough that he would do... He would make games that people couldn't even really conceive of. I mean... The idea of The Sims, and maybe this is jumping ahead, but the idea of The Sims was like, you're living your life? Why would you do this in a game? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. And it was, I guess, a kind of a tough sell, but it for a long time, it was the highest selling game ever. Yeah, and I mean, with all of the different iterations, if you add them all up, I'm sure it probably is. Sorry, Michael, sorry. I was going to say, I think, you know, Spore is probably his highest profile failure, but, I mean, he did a lot of games that kind of went nowhere. Exactly, I mean, yeah. you know, did, did Simant ever get a sequel? No. I don't think so, no. So you had Simant, uh, Sim Earth, Sim Life was one that I played a lot as a kid. And oh, it was wow. sort of a proto-spore. Okay. Where you are creating various uh, life forms and tampering with their so DNA. So Sim Earth. Sim Earth was kind of in that way too, right? I, that was more about the Gaia theory, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I, and I believe, I, I mean, I did play Sim Earth and it just baffled me. It was not as straightforward as SimCity. It did not have the touchstones of like, I've, I've lived in a city. I know what roads are. I know what zones are. I know like how people have to go to work and things like that. But Sim Earth, it was just like a lot to take in at once, I think. I, I played that just a little bit on a friend's computer and I don't remember the game. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. but. At the time, it was like 1991, 92, and he had this like crazy high-end Macintosh, and I was just like, what a cool computer. Everything's so beautiful. That's all I remember. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of Sim games that aren't memorable, like Michael said. Uh, and But the thing is about Maxis, and we'll, we'll go into more about Maxis soon, but uh, I feel like they were always trying to get away from SimCity, but nothing else they made ever caught on. So they would be forced to make a new sequel to get more money to fund things that would never take off, like... Again, Sim Earth, Sim Life, Sim Health, Sim Farm, Sim Ants, like Sim Tower, Sim Tower. That's that's actually a Ute yeah, Saito that game. Tower? Yeah, Ute's yeah. Tower. But they were licensing thing and sticking Sim onto them too, just to be like, we need we need to make more things. But again, I feel like he was always tethered to SimCity until The Sims came out, and that was a new thing to work on for him. Uh, so, anyways, after Spore, uh, that was a bit of a digression. But after Spore, he went on to form the Stupid Fun Club in Berkeley, where it's a bunch. Of, it was basically just a bunch of millionaires building battle bots, which sounds like the ultimate way to retire. Just like I'm going to build fun robots that kill each other in, in, like, a warehouse in Berkeley. Like, that seems amazing. He periodically pops up at, like, conventions and conferences and that kind of thing just to talk. Yeah, and he's still a brilliant guy. I mean, I, he's not as invested in making video games. In fact, the last uh, thing he made, and I was like, what's, what is what what is Will Wright up to now? So I did some Googling, and the last uh, news stories were circulating maybe around a year ago, May of 2015, where it's like, he's producing this new social media app called Thread, and it's this platform that lets you stitch together pictures and put word bubbles on them to make, like, comments 
comic books, but I did a search for it on iOS and it doesn't exist anymore. So I have a feeling it didn't take did off. Did it ever exist? Had it actually um, launched? I think I think it did launch. I mean, I was reading uh, about people using it and stuff like that, mm-hmm. not just in like a beta or whatever you would call that on iOS. But uh, I yeah. last saw him in 2013 at the Gamespeak conference, which is a conference put on by VentureBeat. And he was actually interviewing the founder of Wargaming.net because he was a big World of Tanks fan, which he described as a first-person shooter for old guys. Oh, okay, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, he always wanted to do uh, plane games and things like that. Well, so right. he was still a gamer, you know, yeah. even now. It's just like he's he's an inveterate nerd, and I respect that. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, eventually the Stupid Fun Club folded because I guess you, you eventually get bored of building killer robots as a billionaire. And uh, and then he went oh, on to this folded? new venture. What's that? Oh, that folded? It's no longer around anymore. And mm. I feel bad because it's like literally a 10-minute walk from my apartment. And so I could just be like, hey, billionaires, can I have a, have a cool robot to play with? What's he doing now? Uh, I don't know. Like 2015 was our last will write updates so yeah and um Usually with these series overviews, I like to go into the influences uh, of the creator. But with Will Wright, these ideas sort of like just sprung out of his brain. Like there was nothing like SimCity before SimCity. Again, uh, it's very rare to see these precedents set without there being influences. I mean, he was so early on in the game, right? It was the early 80s. I mean, everything was so new. Yeah, it was still possible to create new genres and things exactly. like that. Exactly. And so it was very much that proto-soup where games were coming out, and he happened to be right in the middle of that. And I do recommend a lot of my research came from a, an article on GameSpot from, uh, I believe, 1999. It's called Simply Divine, uh, the story of Max's software written by Jeff Keighley. Unfortunately, you cannot actually find it via GameSpot. You have to search for the Wayback Machine. Uh, if you just search for the article title, it might pop up. But it is an invaluable resource in learning about the history of Maxis, their ups and their downs. And it was written right before The Sims came out or right before The Sims was entering production. And it's like the, the, the epilogue is like, there's this weird idea called Dollhouse. Will it ever work? And it, Dollhouse eventually became The Sims. I guess that was the working title. So, yes, yes, it did work. It worked very well it, there for is, right. There was one influence. I already mentioned Danielle Button, but oh, yeah, there was also sure. um, Pinball Construction Set by Bill Budge, mm. which uh, Will Wright specifically cited as an influence at a GDC talk last year or maybe the year before. Uh, I mean, Pinball Construction Set, you're building stuff. Yeah. Um, and he was fascinated with games where you build things. And I assume Mule it was an influence just because of, like it simulated economies and things like that, correct? Mm. Okay, yeah. So before we jump into the games, uh, I'm just curious, like, what is your relationship with SimCity? I'll go last. Uh, Kat, like, how did you find out about it? What did it activate in your brain? Like, do you, how do you feel about the series? Just let me know. Well, SimCity was always just kind of around, right? Because it was on Super Nintendo. It was kind of like Carmen Sandiego. But I did not play it on console. Instead, uh, a friend gave me a pirated copy, um, as tends to happen in the early 90s with PC games. And... It actually was the last – this was SimCity 2000, and this was the last game actually that my dad played seriously because my dad was actually a gamer when I was growing up. He had an mm. Atari and everything. That's how I got into games. And he discovered SimCity 2001 weekend, 
and basically did not leave the computer for the entire weekend. It'll do that to you for yeah, sure. Yeah, so I would like keep popping in to like come play a game, and there would be my dad like in a robe, being just sitting there staring at the computer playing SimCity 2000. And then it was after that he basically swore off games. He said, "Nope, too addictive. Don't have enough time for this anymore. I'm done. He I'm out." A, he wanted a productive life. But man, did he love SimCity 2000? I wow. love SimCity 2000 too. Me I too, played yeah. it a lot. So. Um, after that, I played SimCity 3000. Like Emily, my like partner and I in Japan, we built um, a city in SimCity 3000. Like we were just kind of like working together, uh, putting everything together. That was fun. And then I never played four, but I did. I don't think I reviewed the new one, but I, that was the last SimCity mm. game I played, and it was unfortunate. Cool. But. So how about you, Michael? How do you feel about SimCity? Where did you find it? Uh, you know, I, I first saw, you know, PC-owning friends playing it when I was uh, relatively little, like in junior high, and uh, thought it was kind of boring. And then SimCity 2000 came along with the, the isometric view, and uh, I I cheated like crazy through that <laughs> just to, like, give myself all the money and then, like, build all the weird things that you only unlock after hours of play, like... I don't think Will yeah. Wright would be against that, though. Like, he wants you to play in this sandbox. Like, I think the gaminess of the game is something he just is uh, – it's just like – it's forced upon him, you know. He just wants you to have fun in this world of systems. Mm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but my, my connection to it uh, is kind of weird in that uh, in high school and early college, I was trying to create a fake religion that I called uh, Brink Femborgism. Wow. <laughs> and it was – I had this whole fiction about like, yes, this Viking child in the Middle Ages was abducted by – uh, some sort of intergalactic uh, ogre and taken to another dimension called Nith. And so I started to just to build up Nith in uh, in SimCity 2000. And What's this religion called? Uh, Brink Femborgism. Don't look I, at it. I'm a Femborgite. <laughs> I am a, you have your first disciple. My first actual convert after yes. – <laughs> This, like this is not on the internet anywhere, is it? Uh, it was on GeoCities okay. for a while. I, I hope it's gone. <laughs> I feel that way about my GeoCities page. Uh, mm. uh, Jeremy, I, I feel like you are You told me earlier you're afraid of holding public office. And that's why you didn't play SimCity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I mean I've I've – Farted around a little bit with SimCity games, but I've never really gotten into any mm. kind of simulation like this. And I'm, I'm asking myself why, because I like the concept of these games. But I guess when it comes to you know playing video games, stuff like SimCity, Minecraft, that sort of thing, just it doesn't appeal to me very much. Uh, you know, it's something I want to invest time in because if I play a game, someone else's creation, I want something kind of structured with, you know, real goals and maybe a story or something. And if I'm going to create something, I'd rather actually create something, you know, yeah. and spend that energy and effort into making something like artwork or writing or something like that. Hmm. Um, that sounds kind of pretentious, I think, <laughs> but. I'm I'm really just kind of hey, you know, that's how you like feel. asking myself like yeah, yeah what is it about these games that fails to to grab me and I really think that's it I just hmm. uh, I can't invest myself in creating something virtual like that I need something more tangible yeah you you want your effort to reflect something yeah yeah hmm, I so see. I, like I you know don't think less of people who enjoy SimCity like <laughs> it's cool I, I think it's a really Interesting and unique and potentially addictive concept, but like that civilization, populace, I just it doesn't like I, I, when I sit down to it, I'm just like, mm, no. Hmm. I see. 
Well, uh, as for me, like I feel I, – I'm sure a lot of our other listeners found it this way, but I, I first played the Super Nintendo version. And I think this is – I mean, of course, I wanted to play uh, Super Mario World and stuff like that. But the Super Mar- uh, sorry, the Super Nintendo's launch lineup and the, the games after that were so different than everything else I was seeing. Like the idea of SimCity, just the idea alone sold me on it. Just seeing it in Nintendo Power, like I've never played anything like this before and I have to play it. So I got that version – I was just obsessed with it. I played it every day. And then my friend had a computer. And just playing SimCity 2000 on his computer made me think, like, we need a computer in our house. Like, I need to play this game every day. Like, And from then on, I played every installment, even the later one. Like, I've always loved this series. And that's why I'm doing this episode, basically, like, just to uh, talk about the ups and the downs and what games I think stand out the most. Wasn't the Super NES version adapted by Nintendo EAD internally? Yes, I think so. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk a bit about that's that one. That's pretty unusual. Like, they don't do that very Yeah. Are, are there any other? Western games they've done that with? No, I mean, you know, they collaborated with uh, with Argonaut for Star Fox. That's true, yeah. I can't think of a Western developed and created game that Nintendo said, oh yes, we're going to do our version of this. We're going to, you know, build did, it for our anything, system. Did they have anything to do with the, the Super Nintendo version of Populous? No, that was done mm. by... Hmm. I can't remember. Yeah. But they, didn't, okay. they didn't work on that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can see this idea like... Um, I'm, I'm sure it was not just the popularity of SimCity that made Nintendo one, and I'm sure like uh, Miyamoto, Tezuka, people like that, they saw the ideas in this game as something completely brilliant and new and something that they needed to, to put on their system to show like, you, our ideas are great, Will Wright's ideas are great, we want to make this SNES, a 16-bit world, just like full of these great new ideas you've never seen before. And I think that's why it fits so perfectly with that a launch lineup. Yeah, and SimCity was what, 1989? So the game was, yeah. was pretty new and uh, like kind of cutting edge for PCs, so... Having that on their console gave them, you know, like an edge. It was like, hey, this this console is some serious business. Look at that. We're doing like top-end PC games. Yeah, you can have that PC experience without buying a $2,000 computer, you know, for your home because computers were still very expensive. So let's move on and talk about all of the games. So the first game, obviously, is SimCity. It was released February of 89 uh, in its original form. It, it went on everything. If there was a platform, SimCity hit it. But again, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with the August 1991 uh, US SNES release uh, of the game, which I think is, um, uh, if you're a console gamer, one of the more memorable uh, iterations of SimCity. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Okay, thank I you. Mean, I needed I, to be reassured. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing them to kind of catch up, and uh, that that one did something really cool that I didn't notice the PC one doing Oh, what's that? Changing seasons. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of graphical flourishes in uh, the SNES one. I mean, it looks the best. It sounds the best. I did an entire micro episode about the soundtrack. Please listen to that. I mean, it is just like... It is taking the very kind of ugly and basic computer graphics and just dressing them up in Super Nintendo flair, I think. 
So uh, this is, this establishes the essentials of of SimCity. It's it's still fairly simple at this point. So we have the RCI system, residential, commercial, industrial, uh, and the push and pull between different demands of these zones. So like you have to build residential zones to start off with, but then those people want jobs. So you have to build the industrial zones, but then they want a place to shop. So you build the commercial zone. So it's a cycle that goes back and forth and it's always like finding the right balance of what to build next, not running out of money, knowing who to tax and things like that. It's the first thing that a lot of people playing SimCity grapple with because they're like, they go in usually and they start placing things and the first thing they ask themselves is, why isn't anything appearing, right? Right. And then they figure out they have to put in roads and power. It's like, okay, things are appearing, but wait, why are they all abandoning their buildings? I don't understand. (laughs) And then They... they realize, oh... Actually, my commercial demand is way up and my residential demand is way down. They realize what that little bar means. Yeah, I mean, that's always been SimCity. It's even in the latest one. And we also have uh, how you power your city is a choice. And there's only two choices in this in the first game. There's uh, coal and nuclear. And nuclear brings uh, the most possibility for devastation. Coal brings the most possibility for pollution. There, There's a possibility of meltdowns if you build a nuclear reactor to power your city. And we have only two forms of transit in this uh, in this version of SimCity. We have roads and rails. Although the smart and expensive way to build your first SimCity is um, just using rails. I mean, it's it's possible in the first game to only have rails and no roads at all, which they would change in this and every other version after that, which is pretty pretty weird. I feel that's like, that's like Will Wright's ideal city, though. You know, just railroad like, town. Yeah, just like no one has a car; everyone just has mass transit, and it's great. And another uh, SimCity element that we'll see in future games is the disasters that can happen and can be summoned at will. So if, if you're bored and you want to see uh, your city destroyed, you can summon a tornado, fires, uh, riots, things like that. And we have, again, the tax rate. There is just one uh, future SimCity games would you know increase the complexity of taxing. But again, you're taxing your citizens. You have to set the tax rate. That brings your income in. And uh, really, the game is about addressing the concerns of your citizens, along with worrying about the tax rate. They have concerns like the crime rate, the land value, unemployment, traffic, pollution, and just overall happiness. Uh, That's essentially just making people happy is what gives you more money in this game. Just like finding the perfect balance, knowing where to put things, knowing how your people are getting to where they're going, just like making life easier and better for people is the best way to play this game. Um, Could you take out loans? You can take out loans too, yeah. And I'm not sure if that's only in the SNES version, but I know you can do it in that version as well. And then you would go bankrupt from the interest. Yes. Code. So it yep. teaches you, uh, you as a young child, don't don't take out loans. Uh, I did not learn that when I went to college. That sure happened to me a lot. Yeah. It's like I would take out these big loans. I'd be like, I'd have all these money, and I would go out and build all of this stuff. And then I would suddenly be in the red, and I'd be like, what's going on? I don't understand. I didn't really understand this whole concept of having to pay back the loans. Payments plus interest. Yes, If exactly. I get a credit card, I could get a PlayStation and an N64 and pay them a little bit every month. <laughs> or just not do it. Yeah, uh, terrible so, idea. Yes, it's a bad idea. So I'm wondering, like, I know Jeremy's a bit older uh, than uh, me and Kat. Uh, Keep saying that. Well, it is it is important because I was I was like ten when I played SimCity, and it actually taught me like how cities work. Like, oh, there are different zones. There's a reason why there's not a factory mm. next to my house. There's a reason why cities are laid out the way they are. I'm wondering, did, did did this game teach you guys like just about how cities were built? Because I think that was something Will Wright wanted to impart in its in, in the players of oh, this yeah, game. Just absolutely. like this is how cities work, and this is if your city sucks, you can find out why by playing SimCity. I mean, I certainly learned about zoning, the concepts of zoning from SimCity. I mean, at the end of the day, SimCity is not what you would call a super accurate reflection of city planning. Not really. <laughs> it's pretty simple, all things considered. But it's of course, a... it's a primitive game, so whatever. But yeah, in that respect, like 
learning, oh, don't put industrial and, you know, residential together. Uh, people don't like to be around a power plant that's polluting everywhere. Uh, stuff like that did, in fact, teach me what kind of urban – the very basics of urban planning. Mm. Uh, how about you, Michael? Did you uh, did this game like teach you anything? Like just in general, I don't know if you started with the first game, but I'm just curious. SimCity in general, did it like? Did you learn anything? Do you think? Just did you take anything away from it? Well, the zoning thing definitely. Um, also, balancing budgets is really hard, uh, and and you you want to be like. Uh, you know, super liberal Democrat, uh, at least I do a lot of the time, like, yes, yes, I want to provide all these services in my city. And then realizing like, oh, I'm like $6,000 over budget <laughs> every month. And, and now I'm, I'm – I, I, since I had it at maximum speed, it's now like minus 72,000 something. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I didn't actually understand the concept of like, you know, taking out loans with interest when I was like 11, mm. 10 or 11. So – that kind of taught me a little bit about that, you know, because uh, you don't think about those things when you're a kid, right? So yeah, it was it was edutainment in its own way. I don't know, uh, Jeremy, uh, you you didn't have I, I didn't really had, play the game, so yeah. I still don't understand how cities work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I keep asking him to put a you know a big munitions factory right behind my house, and they won't do it. For See, Jeremy, reason. that's why playing SimCity is important. Mm. Uh, one thing that one additional thing about the SimCity uh, for the Super Nintendo is that it was influential enough that it actually made an appearance in Smash Brothers. Oh, you're right. There's a Dr. Wright statue, yes. right? He's is actually he a support an, character? He's an assist statue. Okay. So when you use it, uh, he will appear and uh, a building will pop up and grow and can Oh, hurt yeah, people. you're right. I have seen that before. That's cool. So it just goes – that's actually pretty remarkable that a third-party game was enough of part of the Super Nintendo zeitgeist that it would make its way into Smash Brothers. So hmm. do you think we'll ever see a uh, Dr. Wright amiibo? No. Oh, man, I want one now. <laughs> I didn't even know who Dr. Wright was until I realized, uh, oh, this was like a Super Nintendo uh, – like I knew it was for the Super Nintendo. I didn't realize that Dr. Wright was like – Will Wright. Part of the yeah. Super Nintendo yeah. thing. Will Wright does not look like Dr. Wright in any way. No. Uh, Dr. Wright had like a purple suit with green hair and yeah, stuff like that. And he shows yeah. up in Link's Awakening writing love letters to a hippo. Uh, what? So, yeah. Oh, weird. Is that yeah. him? That's him, yeah. Huh. It, even, it even plays his song that you hear in SimCity when you go into his little cottage. Yeah. Oh. T-I-L. To be but, fair, he was being catfish in that game. That's the first instance <laughs> of catfishing. Like, because he doesn't know she's a hippo. Aww. Yeah. Wow. There's, yeah. there's love is pure in all its forms. Okay. Between Doctor Wright and a hippo. <laughs> who are, <laughs> sure. who are we to judge? That's what I say. There's another cool Isn't thing: she a hippo that loses her bikini. What's that? Does that happen? <laughs> in like the German version or something? Oh. Uh, anyway. Weird. Okay. Weird. This episode is going places. Yeah. I'm learning Not new things. I, I noticed something about the original one, and I, I can't remember if this is uh, carried over into the Super Nintendo, that you could uh, change the look of the game. They had different graphic sets. That's right. I, you I, could. I think you could buy like a SimCity expansion or uh, – I don't know if you could uh, download things at that point or yeah, anything I like only, that. Yeah. I only know about it because uh, I played, it, played the original in the Internet Archive, and that version for whatever reason is set by default to the medieval skin. Okay, yeah. And and I noticed it's not just changing the tiles, but they actually change some of the, the flavor text. So if you go into the scenarios, there's like Tokyo 1965, I think. That's like a Godzilla attack. 
And uh, when you go to it in the medieval stuff, it says like Tolkien, 1548. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And instead of the big salamander monster that usually appears, it's like this giant cyclops wearing a toga. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there were uh, some – I can't go over every release of this game because, God, it was released so much. But uh, there were multiple releases of this game with different content. Um, Originally, the Boxer SimCity for the PC had Godzilla on the cover, like stomping through a city. And and then Toho was like, wait a minute. We own that character. You can't do that. So now that was replaced with a tornado. So at some point, Mm. there was a Godzilla cover of SimCity. Uh, But again, I think the version that you listeners might know the most about is the SNES version. Um, It's not the most playable because, again, you're playing it with a D-pad instead of a mouse. But I think it is the best in terms of presentation, as Michael pointed out earlier, for sure. And like Kat said, we have Dr. Wright, a parody of Will Wright. Looks nothing like him. But he's there as sort of like a preview of the advisors you talk to in future games. Uh, He pops up to tell you about problems, congratulate you, and just give you updates on your city. There's not really a lot that he does, but he's a fun little character that runs around – and, like, when a riot is happening, he's, like, running across the screen and there's a guy, like, firing a gun at him or something with, like, a mask on his face and sunglasses. It's very cute. And, um, again, great soundtrack. Please listen to that Retronauts Micro. You will love the soundtrack so much. And uh, there's some Mushroom Kingdom additions like the uh, Bowser replacing Godzilla or their their uh, non-Union uh, Mexican equivalent, whatever they called it in SimCity PC. And there is a Mario statue as the ultimate reward. So if you get the Megalopolis uh uh, level of population, you get a Mario statue in your city. Um, it's weird to think that this game was originally designed for the Famicom, originally intended for the Famicom, because uh, I feel like the SNES does not really have the horsepower uh, for SimCity, even at this level, because uh, when you... Uh, do you guys have a lot of experience with the SNES version, Kat, or Michael, any uh, experience? SimCity? Yeah. No. Okay. Michael, did Very you? Very little. Okay. Uh, the, the weird thing is, uh, the SNES was a powerful machine in 91, but when you loaded a larger city, it took like a few minutes for the city to actually come to life. Like nothing would have power. Everything would be flashing. So it took a while for the all the calculations to fall into place to actually simulate the city. Yeah, the console had like a three megahertz chip, yeah. which was really slow at the time. I don't know how that compared to the PC it was meant to run on, but I uh, imagine. I think uh, PCs at that point were like 20 megahertz. Okay, yeah. Blast processing was real. <laughs> uh, I guess so. And uh, yeah, it's weird to think that uh, this was originally going to be an NES game, and I'm glad it wasn't. And in an interview with uh, the composer Soyo Oka, she said that, yes, I originally wrote the music for the Famicom version. So uh, the Famicom, her, the, her music is actually just uh, a kind of an upgrade to the music she originally wrote. So, yeah, like, I don't feel like this is the ideal version of SimCity. I have a lot of fondness for the SNES version just because I grew up with it. But I feel like the later games are feel like more of a logical conclusion to the ideas presented here. Like, I, I like I like this game, but I like it with more ideas floating around. How do you guys feel about, like, the first SimCity? You know, it's not – it's kind of a non-entity to me because I never played it. I've only played SimCity 2000 and beyond. Mm. It just strikes me as the more primitive version. Um and I always found the top-down view to be kind of off-putting compared to the isometric mm. view that followed. Hmm. So it never really, like, I never really felt any, like, interest or desire to go play the uh, the original SimCity. But, of course, I mean, that's where it all began. And it is. most of the concepts were introduced there, so. Do you have any fondness for uh, the first SimCity, Michael? Uh, not really. I mean, mm. it has a certain charm. Uh, going back to it now, but I kind of started with SimCity 2000, and, and like Cap pointed out, it's very difficult to go back to that uh, overhead view and sort of more simplistic uh, arrangement of everything. Everything is a square. Um, you know, you don't get to just lay things out exactly the way you want to. So it's a little, it feels limiting.
And we're back to talk about SimCity 2000. Back when 2000 signified the future. Can you imagine a simpler time like that? Uh, this was released in uh, 1993, February, in fact. And it was kind of a result of the other Sim titles not catching on. As we talked about, we had Sim Earth, Sim Ant, Sim Life, Sim Health. Uh, Maxis needed a hit. And thankfully, this was a big hit for them. And if I can do a weird analogy, I feel like this is the link to the past to SimCity's Legend of Zelda, where it kind of built off of the foundation in a way that became kind of the definitive experience that other games built on. Am I crazy? I need to ask you that question. No, I don't think so at all. Thank you. Did, did it restrict the, the nonlinearity of SimCity? Uh, no. Then well, it's not a perfect it's not a, analogy. It's not perfect, but <laughs> it, what no, is? No, it's not a perfect analogy, <laughs> but I think it's sound in that... SimCity 2000 introduced so many, like, of the more advanced concepts and just built on it so much. I mean, just the fact that, for example, you could have way more power plants, for example. Exactly. Way more public transportation and the, the board of advisors thing. And just, like, off the top of my head, like, that kind of stuff is kind of what came to define SimCity, along mm-hmm. with Arcologies, yeah. which was it, a thing. It is really weird being older now, the idea of, like – Using a uh, title is seven years from now to indicate future. <laughs> yeah, it would be like uh, SimCity uh, 2023 yeah, for exactly. us. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, 2000 was just like it was the ult- it was the ultimate suffix on like a if you want to make an invention and make it sound uh, fantastic, like the toaster 2000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it was but just it, like it did sound more futuristic. It, it was did. Like, I mean, oh, SimCity 2000. That's the more advanced version. There was a UFO on the cover, like flying over the city. And, uh, oh, was that a UFO? I, th- I always thought it was kind of a robot thing. Oh, I think it might have been. A, I'm not sure. Yeah, but there uh, was that huge one-eyed spider bot. Thing yeah, that that, that guy was monster. on. Yeah, he was on the uh, title screen, I believe, just like right. taunting you. Um, so yeah, this has a lot of changes. I don't want this to turn to a list, me listing things. So please stop me to comment on these things. So uh, the most important thing we have the diametric perspective, not isometric. I'm ma- I'm making that distinction so no one jumps up my butt. But it is a diametric perspective, which makes this world seem less flat. Uh, we are not ready for a 3D sim city uh, until 2013 but this made the world kind of pop out of your computer you know you're, you're not just looking at a flat representation like google maps you were seeing like things like that come out of the ground it was really interesting different levels of different levels of like uh, geometry you can like build hills and things like that like that was very important to make the city seem not just like a flat tract of land uh there's a hill there's a host of new power options we have hydroelectric gas microwave etc like just uh, just a uh, uh, more of a variety of choices to make and how to power your city, each with their own upsides and downsides. Usually if it's a cleaner kind of power, it costs more and it gives you less energy in general, which is kind of true of, uh, you know, how it reflects real life. And you would also start in like 1900 and you would only have access to some kinds of electricity. I but... think that was true in uh, the SimCity. Yeah, right. I think I think you're right about that, Kat. I forgot and, about that. And as it time went on, you would get access to like oil and then later nuclear, yeah. and then finally uh, fusion, which obviously was the best, but the, also most expensive. The real trick was to start with a map of lots of waterfall tiles because you oh, can yeah. build like hydroelectric uh, plants mm-hmm. and they, they don't pollute. Uh, you need a ton of them to power a city. But again, if you can have all those waterfall tiles, you can you can build a really clean city that runs well. And if you have the money for it, I think you could also just raise your own hills and then cover them in waterfalls. Yeah, you could do that too. Like terraforming was part of the game as well. And, and it was I, a lot of fun because you could build like your own mountains. You could put mm-hmm. little signs on them. Being I like, like that too, yeah. Mount putting Cat. little signs on things. Uh, so we have uh, the board of advisors, which would stick around. Uh, and the transportation guy seems very mad all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, fact, that's another thing I learned. You don't ever cut transit budgets. Or that guy will kill you in your yeah. sleep. Uh, so I got to say, this is my one claim to internet fame. In all, in all the years I've been writing things for the internet, I feel like this is the only thing that will uh, outlive me. The meme about the um, 
the meme about the transportation guy, if you see that on the internet, I feel like I'm responsible because I wrote a something awful article that got me to number two on dig for like a couple of days back when that was a claim to fame. So I think it's called the, the, the SimCity Board of Advisors. Look it up. It's from 2007. I, I'm st- I still think it's a funny article. And uh, I remember you, that. If you play SimCity, you might get a chuckle out of it. But uh, There's also I, a Twitter account that does pretty much the same thing. Okay. Damn it. I need to get residuals on that. You but uh, I still see uh, images stolen from that article and posted on Twitter and stuff. So I'm like, uh, that, that warms my heart, you thieves. You choke thieves. <laughs> uh, yes. So what else do we have? Really important is the query tool, which I think brought SimCity to a whole new level. You can click on any tile that has a building on it. And it'll tell you, like, uh, what the business is and more information about it. So it was really fun just, like, I mean, there was a lot of humor packed into this game, like, about these silly businesses and these silly places you could, like, it, not not explore, but kind of learn a little bit more about them. Like, kind of, it was kind of like flavor text for your city. I think it would also tell you if the city, sorry, if that building had power and water and everything like that. So that was really interesting, too. And they would do really interesting things with the query tool in later um, in later installments. Did and, they have light, medium, and heavy commercial density? They only had uh, light and heavy uh, in this one. In the original, there was just just plain zones. So, yes, we have uh, light and dense zones for every kind of zone. And we also have, um, which I think lost a lot of people, pipes. Like actually having to get water to your citizens by building pipes underground from like – uh, water pumps in like uh, I don't think the water towers were in this version yet but I feel like they a lot were. of people drew the line at having to make pipes it was like one step of micromanagement too far did you did you agree Kat you seem to be nodding your head uh, about I mean, building pipes it was pipes. really confusing um, and that was actually one of the Achilles heels of SimCity 2000 was a lot of the more advanced concepts like building a subway was extremely like well, how do I even do this this doesn't make any sense yeah uh, my, like, main goal for years and years was to figure out how to build a military base. Oh, and you I would do that, yeah. Yeah, I would clear everything out to make it happen. Also an airport. And, like, the stuff that would just kind of appear would be super haphazard and not very, like, a pro- like not very cool. Yeah, I think in this game you would zone for airports and seaports. Instead of just plopping down an airport, yeah. you would just build a zone and, like, it, like, little hangars would pop up and runways and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was super haphazard and it never really filled out the space and it really drove me crazy, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Uh, but, no, water was a biggie because if you didn't – obviously, if you didn't put in the water pumps and everything – uh, the people would start moving out and people would complain about the lack of water. And uh, and it always seemed like you didn't have enough water. Yeah, like that, that's huge, a problem too. Huge portions of your city would suddenly just start flashing. Like and you'd be like, what's going on? Well, not enough water. Okay, hmm. so hmm. – this was also like back when PC games came with like these book-sized manuals oh, yeah. that you were expected to read. And so for those of us like you and I who pirated it, uh, we didn't have the benefit of that. So we're like, okay, what am I doing? I guess I'll put down some pipes. I can do that, right? But it's never – you never – like it never tells you why you should do something or why you even would do something. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, he had the the manual in the box. He lent the game to me and I installed it on my PC. But um, he also had this like phone book-sized strategy guide and I was like, I want to read this cover to cover and like in the s in the beginning there's this like 20 page essay about the nature of cities and i was like a 12 year old kid i was like i, I guess i have to read this <laughs> and then, I, that, then when i got there i'm like i feel smarter now like i had no idea what i read uh, i don't think neil gaiman wrote it actually oh, i remember that no uh, I, I did read that for some reason <laughs> um i don't know if neil gaiman wrote that essay but if you click on i think the library uh you can read a neil gaiman essay within SimCity 2000 oh, that he right. wrote really? um yeah so there's a lot of weird stuff in this game hmm 
That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also strange for those of us who pirated it. I know in the Mac version at least, like it retained the original owner's mayor name that they put in. Mm. So for the longest time, I thought the legit uh, mayor of SimCity 2000 was named Mayor I Will Slap You. <laughs> <laughs> that's an odd choice. Yeah. Uh, I believe – uh, I, I did a fresh install and I was able to put in my name and everything. Uh, it just – it was on a disk but whatever. I believe this would be the the beginning of Max's fascination with llamas. Like you'd see a I lot of so. um, references of to gags. llamas and there'd be a newspaper that would pop up occasionally that would have funny headlines and stuff just to kind of tell you what was going on in your city. There's like a lot of like kind of silly humor packed into these games just to make you smile, you know, if you're doing poorly. And uh, some more features. We have ordinances so you can like uh, I want to make gambling legal and increase my crime rate but get more money. I want to uh, tax industry a little more. There's all these little things you can check off that can have big impacts on your city or uh, make things better but you know, kind of drain your money a little bit. So there's that too. We were talking earlier about whether it taught me like how city- cities worked. I had no idea what the heck an ordinance was. Yeah, me too. Like, I didn't really know what budgeting like was all about or like – like what I was that I was supposed to like raise or lower a particular department's budget. So uh, this was all very new to me at the age of like eleven or twelve. Yeah, I mean, like I I, I still don't really know what an ordinance is, but I assume you have to vote on it. I, I'd assume Americans be like, yeah, gambling's legal now. Take have fun, kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you are the god for life. Well, there's and, no city council. Yeah. is the thing in this game. So it's like uh, the mayor, like in addition to being all all eternal and like all powerful <laughs> like it's not like it's can institute whatever they want yeah i mean you are like a totalitarian immortal dictator and uh you can do whatever you want yeah and i think i think the tropico series just kind of ran with yeah that. it's like yeah. let's just make you a crazy god uh and then we have our colleges which i think we brought up these are these crazy future buildings and this is actually one of uh, the possible only one of the possible end states for a sim city game if you have 300 of these on your map uh, after 2051, you can actually reach an end state in which your your citizens leave uh, leave the planet to colonize the moon or whatever. So, building 300 arcologies is a big deal. It's really hard to do, I think. Um, yeah, but I didn't really want to because it just looked ugly on the map. They are pretty yeah. ugly. I mean, the arcologies <laughs> themselves looked super cool. They were really big. They towered over your city, and I only wanted a couple on them on there because they were impressive. But at the same time, you know. Just having like 300 of them or whatever on your map, like it's just a row of the samey yeah, it's, sprites. It's not fun to look at. I think it's really just an Easter egg for people to, uh, you know, but dig a cool into. Easter egg. I, I yeah. think the ones that do take off the launch arcologies actually look kind of neat because they have that big dome on top oh, yeah. with like the, the park yeah. underneath. And I really love the, the darkologies for some reason, probably because I was a teenager into metal. <laughs> what but, goes on in the darkology? <laughs> <laughs> Only the future you don't will know. know yeah. But 45,000 people can live there. <laughs> but that was tight. That that ties into Michael's gag earlier uh, earlier yeah, on, which is Lizardo. yeah, people would enter the infinity cheat, money cheat and just build tons and tons and tons of arcologies. So yeah, so it was really easy to get to that end state if you were cheating. Just yeah. very time consuming to put all those down. Yeah, again, I think I don't think it was for anyone to find. I think it just might have leaked out or something. I, I I don't know who would have done this on their own, you know, without being influenced by like a tip or something. But uh. It goes without saying this is an extremely popular game, or it was at least, and uh, it inspired the SimCity Urban Renewal Kit, uh, or SKRK, if you want to call it that. I wouldn't. 
Uh, and it's a very Will Wright idea in that it's just a toolbox for SimCity in which you can uh, basically, I want to pre-build a city. I want to put whatever I want down wherever I want it to be without worrying about money or any kind of limitations, and I can do that. But uh, the coolest thing about that is you can actually uh, edit tile sets for the game. So yeah. my idea was I want to make this as lousy as my hometown. Like everything's got to suck because I grew up in a <laughs> awful town. Please don't ever go there. But um, I eventually lost interest because that's a lot of work editing like hundreds of tile sets. But the fact that you could do it was amazing to me. Like I feel like this is such a Will Wright idea, just giving you a, a graphics editor for SimCity because it was so popular there was a demand for that. The there was a really cool future tile set. Mm, yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, I liked that one. But the Skirk was also really useful because uh, like terraforming your city like costs money. And you didn't have a lot of money in the early going. And so if you're on, like, mountainous terrain, that could be really tough to get an established city right off the bat. So Skirk was great because then you could just edit the tile set at the beginning. Of course, most of the time people would be like, I just want a 100% flat tile set, whatever. Yeah, that's boring. But, I mean, it could make it more manageable was yeah. the main thing. Uh, future SimCity games would give you a god mode where you could terraform the land for free before you actually started. I don't think SimCity 2000s did that, though. I think it was just randomly generated. That's what that reticulating splines thing comes from. Uh, that's The female voice would say that when you would start a new city, it would just randomly generate a, a new tract of land. And if you didn't like it, you could regenerate it. Uh, don't kill me, but I don't think there is that god mode in this. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, the cool thing about Skirk is you can also build levels for Simcopter and Streets of SimCity. Uh, what if you if you if that's something you want to do? I kind of like Simcopter. I might do a a micro about it in the future, just because it's a very weird game with a weird history behind it. My overriding memory of SimCity 2000 is the Great Fire of 2003 in which I accidentally saved after a fire had started in my city. Okay. And the worst thing about that was that it wasn't always entirely clear how you're supposed to put out a fire. Yeah, you just kind of like have to dispatch the people and hope they yeah, get there. Yeah, it would yeah. be like dispatch and you would put like a little sign or something next to it. And so I was like, okay, so I would I had tons of fire departments and I was trying to surround it, but it just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. And I, I think I spent maybe like 50 years in game, like fighting this oh my God. fire. <laughs> and it's like, it, the, it's like the tire fire in Springfield. <laughs> yes. It ended up burning down literally half my city because like, I had a big city at that point. And it was year, like years later, I was still cl clinging out ash and like rubble and everything from that. I want to see the man on the street interview from that town. Like, what is your biggest concern about the city? Oh, the constant fire that's been burning since <laughs> before I was born. Yeah, right. <laughs> Way to go, cat. Good yeah. thing you're a dictator for I, life. I don't know why my kids or my parents decided to have a kid in this. Yeah, city. like why, did, why, why didn't they move? Uh, property values are great, though. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are so many ports of this game. I can't go over them all. One of the cooler ones is, is the 64DD uh, port for the that's, – that, that's the Nintendo 64 add-on disk drive, which we didn't get here. Um, the coolest part about it, though, is the, there is a pedestrian mode that lets you stroll through your city as a pedestrian at ground level. Of course, it looks hideous. It looks awful. But it's still an interesting idea that you would see explored in uh, games like SimCopter and Streets of SimCity where it's like, I want to actually be, on, be in this city and see what it's like outside of these isometric or diametric graphics. Well, that's what you are always thinking, right? Like you would look down and you would see all the little people walking around and you go, what are they thinking? Yeah. What are they doing? What's it like down there on that street in my crazy, hideously planned and poorly <laughs> constructed city? Yeah, I mean, even though SimCopter was a was a bad game that I had fun with, it was still fun to be like, I want to visit my city and fly around it and like look at all the things I built in a 3D, a bad 3D world, but it was still 3D and that was important. You know, just had to have that experience, I think. But yeah, SimCity 2000, amazing game. 
a little bit difficult to grapple with some of the more uh, elaborate stuff like highways were always a struggle for me because you had to build the actual on-ramp and it was always a little weird. So I would always inevitably have just regular streets, but the irregular streets, definitely not enough once you no. had a large number of people. So I always had constant congestion. It was basically like L.A. writ large. Um, and the public, so it would encourage you to build the bus stops and everything and the trains eventually. I could never figure out subways. So there was, it was actually pretty, there, it was actually pretty advanced, but I don't feel like a lot of people got to those advanced concepts because they were like kind of focusing on the base level of, it was a sandbox, right? It was almost Minecraft before Minecraft in that you would just build up your city and essentially building up a sandcastle. And then when you were bored of it. Knock it all down by summoning an alien and watching them blow the stuff up. Yeah, especially with things like mass transit. It's so expensive to build subways. Like, you literally have to build one stop at a time. Be like, okay, they have to get from here to industrial zone where they work. Let's just build this and see how many people actually use it. Hopefully, all this underground tube I've built that was so expensive will actually pay off at some point. And, of course, when I was 11, I wasn't thinking about the most efficient way oh, yeah, to get people from point A to point B. I was like, does this look cool? <laughs> yes or no? Yeah. And uh, to wrap up SimCity 2000, I think even though it's from 1993, it feels like a very complete interpretation of the idea. Like, it feels like, where do you go from here? And that is a problem that they would have with future installments. It holds up really well. It really does, I think so. And I'm sure there's a way to buy it. I think you can buy it on GOG. But It's totally yeah, around. Yeah, it's like no. $5 on yeah. yeah, it's Five on or GOG. Six. And it holds up extremely well. Mm-hmm. It's very fun to play. Everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Retronauts. This is Bob Mackey once again coming to you with a few quick announcements. And just in case you're wondering, I'm doing this so we won't have to bug you about buying mattresses or, you know, boxes full of things that games journalists throw away. This is a quick and easy way for us to let you know how to support the show and to let you know what's going on in the world of Retronauts. So in case you didn't know, Retronauts is fully funded by all of our patrons at Patreon.com. We literally could not make the show happen if you didn't support us. And in case you didn't know, putting together a podcast like Retronauts is an extremely expensive endeavor, especially if you want to keep it at the level of quality I think we've maintained for these past three years. So if you'd like to help the show, please go to Patreon.com slash Retronauts. For just $2 a month, you can get every episode up to a week in advance, and there are some great physical rewards if you want to give us more than that. So please go to patreon.com slash retronauts to see how you can help the show. And if you can't spare a buck or two, that's totally cool. Uh, Something else you can do to help the show is write a review on the iTunes Music Store. Just go over there, write us a review. It helps our show get more eyes on it. It helps more people see it in general. And it's a great way to help the show without, you know, opening your wallet. And we also would appreciate it. Hey, why don't you share our episode on Twitter, on Facebook? Let people know. If you've got a friend who likes Earthbound, share our Earthbound episode. If you've got a friend who likes, hey, SimCity, we're talking about SimCity for 90 minutes. Who else is doing that in this crazy era we live in today? Well, we are. And we'd appreciate it if you let your friends know about our fun little show. 
So just two quick announcements before I let you get back to the SimCity discussion. One is that we are definitely going to be at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo this October. We're doing a panel. It's going to be a celebration of the 10th anniversary of Retronauts. I'm letting you know way in advance, so please book your tickets now to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. It's going to be great. It's my favorite gaming expo in terms of classic games, and um, I absolutely love going to Portland every year and meeting all kinds of great Retronauts fans. So please come on out in October. I can't wait to say hi to all of you great Retronauts people out there. And one final uh, bit self-indulgent announcement. Uh, I normally don't like to celebrate meaningless milestones. Actually, I do, but... Uh, I do want to note that uh, a few days after this episode hits the main feed, I will have celebrated my fifth anniversary of being on Retronauts officially. I believe my uh, first episode was August 4th or 5th of 2011, and I have to say thank you so much for welcoming me into your hearts and ears. It's been a great, great time with Retronauts. It was the highlight of my my job at 1UP. It's the highlight of what I do now, and I love making the show, and I love entertaining you, and my goal in life is to entertain bored people because that's what podcasts do with my life, and I hope to do the same with with yours. So thank you so much for uh, tolerating me at first as I was learning the ropes of podcasting and sticking with me as we, you know, soldier on into our 10th year of Retronauts, which is coming up soon. It's been an amazing ride, and I honestly can't wait to tackle so many new subjects in the future. That's it for me this time, guys. Please enjoy the SimCity episode. I think it's a good one. So we're not going to have a whole lot to say about these other games because they are just sort of like embellishments on SimCity 2000 and what that did for the series. And uh, SimCity 3000, again, concocted to save Maxis because uh, they went public, I think, in 95. And that uh, nearly killed them because uh, the evil suits at the top were like, we need you to make games. So they were releasing all these games that weren't finished. It was destroying the Maxis brand. And eventually EA acquired them. And that was a good thing for Maxis. I mean, we think of EA absorbing company being like a sign of doom and gloom now but at that point it was like they saved Maxis and um, it was eventually yes I mean eventually it was uh, but so what happened was they wanted uh, SimCity the next SimCity to be in 3D but obviously in 1996 1997 you know what 3D graphics looked like can you imagine a city rendered at that level of graphics to be as complex as SimCity should be and rightly, it was regarded as an embarrassment. I think it was revealed at E3 97, and they were like, we really need to rethink this. So I can't imagine what it looked like, but I bet with 1997 3D graphics, ugh. it was every bit as ugly as you think. Look at Simcopter, and that's probably what it looked like. Mm. Um, so they basically had to rethink this, and Lucy Bradshaw, who would be a big Maxis bigwig for a long time until the studio closed, oh, yeah. she uh, she spearheaded a new 2D SimCity 3000, and it really feels like a quote-unquote HD remake of uh, 2000. Like, 
It is prettier with a few minor tweaks and new features. Unfortunately, there is no way to play this unless you have the disc anymore. Oh, really? That really sucks. Yeah, I feel oh. like 3000 is a very good interpretation of the game. It's um, A lot of people didn't like it when it came out because it was really buggy. Mm. And it didn't had performance issues, if I recall correctly. I didn't get it until maybe six months later, so it's possibly it's possible I it patched it or something. It had an expansion pack, I think. I forget what it is. It's called Unlimited. I wasn't sure what yeah, was in that, though. but... Well, by the time I got around to playing it in like 2006 or something, I, it was fine. Yeah. I really liked it. So There's only a few new features. Um, I feel like this is the easiest version of the game because you actually have relationships with uh, other cities. So like what I would do in SimCity 3000 is like I would have like Garbage Island and I would buy garbage from other cities and I would also put my prison there too. So it's just like the prisoners live on Garbage Island and I get all this income because um, I can buy garbage and it won't bother the citizens because... So that's what Garbage Island is. Yes, exactly. That's where Homer was going in that episode, to my Garbage Island. Uh, and I think I put an even... I think I put a little sign in it that said Garbage Island. So uh, that that just... I, I feel like this is a very easy version of the game. It, it's, the, it's one of the versions I can actually make money in consistently without cheating. But that cheating. was also the first game with Garbage Garbage. And it was, yeah. That was one more system to gra- grapple with uh-huh. that was kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. this is annoying and difficult. So, again, we have new things added to the game. Not as many as SimCity 2000. We have three kinds of zoning densities. Wow. We also have the relationship with neighboring cities. You can build farms now. You can zone for agriculture. I never did. I didn't know what you got out of that. And um, real-world landmarks. And this is the first SimCity to have uh, music throughout. Like in SimCity 2000, these like little 20-second ditties would just pop up every now and then. But in 3000, it was constant music. And the soundtrack is very, very good. It's kind of like they, Gershwin. Didn't they also start focusing more on the actual Sims? Like, I think because this was that post-Sims. This was pre-Sims. This is 99. Sims came out in 97, didn't it? Uh, 2000. No, yeah. Yep. Oh, much later. Well, I'm totally wrong then. Um, okay. Well, they started focusing more on the Sims. I remember that you could like click on them maybe. That's or... in 4 and we'll get to that okay. uh, in a, just a minute because there's not a whole lot to talk uh, about in 4. I, my I, they, apologies. No, it's cool. They do run together a bit, Kat. Especially so many being... fact errors from Kat today. Oh, my God. You're going to get roasted in the comments. But I will say I understand why you're mixing these things up because – Three and four are just sort of like, what can we do? What can we add? And they're not as uh, revolutionary as 2000. Um, But I feel like 3000 is pretty playable, and it's unfortunate that you can't buy it today. Did you guys have any experience with this one before we move on to four? Yeah, I played it when I was living in Japan. And uh, what was your experience like? I really enjoyed it. Um, It took everything from SimCity 3000 and expanded upon it, and it looked a lot prettier, obviously. And so... Um, by that time, like my girl, my girlfriend and I would play games together, and playing the game together consisted of us like staying up until two in the morning, arguing over what we should be doing next, and staying up planning the city. <laughs> I think staying up till an unreasonable hour is part of the SimCity experience, really. Just like where did the time go? One of the things that you kind of learn eventually is like min-maxing the like the actual size of the zones that you should be doing. Uh, something that I didn't really understand in SimCity 2000, but eventually mm. picked up in 3000. And obviously, I was a bit older, so I understood like most of the fundamentals of the game a lot better at that time. And I had fun doing things like I had a big river through my city, and I was building all of these elaborate bridges across it. And I was like creating districts, and I was like, okay, here's where the downtown area is going to be, and here's the stadium district. And so uh, there was just a lot more like buildings and tile sets. And so, I mean, once again, it was just an advanced version of 2000. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it needed to have a graphical upgrade for like this generation of graphics. I mean, 2000 still looks really good. Yeah, it's very good sprite work. considered, but 3000 looked even better. Mm -hmm. 
our last game we'll be talking about today is SimCity 4, and I can't believe it was released 13 years ago. It was released on uh, January 14th, uh, 2003, and really, this is the most micromanagey SimCity for people who love the series. I feel like this is the most intimidating SimCity if you are new to the game because everything is about micromanagement, like adjusting the coverage for every school, every police station, every fire station. Everything needs to be micromanaged. Everything needs to be clicked on. It is a very – I feel like this is the most bonsai experience because you have to build incrementally and keep an eye on every social service, every scrap of road just to make sure everything is running efficiently as possible. Uh, have you guys played SimCity 4 at all? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was playing it earlier today, actually, and it is the f- the only SimCity I'm aware of that actually has tutorials. It that does, tell yeah. you what to do and how to micromanage all that stuff because I, I skipped them the first time. It's like, I know how to play SimCity. What is this? And then, yeah, there's all this stuff that I did not understand at all that makes it so much easier to balance your budget. Oh, for sure, yeah. It was yeah. much more about building a region more than a city. Yeah, this, yeah. Had, this had region play. Uh, you, were supposed to, you were supposed to play multiple cities and have them interact with each other like – I want to have this be my industry town and have the people commute to it and things like that. But yeah, a lot of it was micromanagement in that each each kind of service has like three different levels. So I can build like a little police booth and plop it down in the middle of my residential area. And as the population grows, I have to click on the police station and make the area around it expand and add add money to that uh, budget to make it cover more territory. Like it is about getting down on that granular level. And I can see how that can be very intimidating for people who have never played SimCity. I feel like this is not made for a SimCity newbie in any way. Absolutely not. But yeah. at that time, Sims, um, a sim, like the, the simulation genre was yeah. extremely well established. I think we were on SimCity 3 at that point and – or not SimCity 3, Civilization 3 at yeah. that point. Like, Sims 2 would be out in a year. So Sims 1 Mania was still going crazy with this. Yeah. In the 90s, we had games like Masters of Orion and the 4X genre like really exploding. And so I feel like SimCity 4 felt the pressure to really layer on the systems and keep up with these like really huge and intricate games. And maybe it was to its detriment, but I've heard that for outside of performance issues, which was also a thing with SimCity 3000. Yeah, which Sim- is not a thing anymore because we are 13 years later. Right. Yeah. But SimCity 4 was generally well regarded. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think people who like the series view it as like the culmination, the masterpiece of SimCity where it's like if this is the most dense and most rich experience you can have with this series. And as much as I enjoy it, it is like a little too overwhelming even for me. Like I don't know if I have the time to sit down and do this anymore with my life. I think there are still people playing it. I mean, maybe oh, they, yeah. they might have moved on to City Skylines, which which is kind of the uh, the spiritual successor to SimCity. I, ha- I have to get that now. Yeah, I, I have it, and I'm going to play it when I go home because I feel inspired to build a city in my little sandbox. Did but. you guys spend any time with the Rush Hour missions? Oh, I was going to mention that, Michael. Can you can you talk about what those are? So Rush Hour was an expansion that let you drive around in your city, a bit like Streets of SimCity, except it was just a very close-up overhead view. Yeah. And uh, so it would give you these missions, and, and uh, as you pointed out in your notes, they could be good or bad. You could get things like uh, the police think that your car is too expressive, drive it out <laughs> of town and without getting arrested – or, and you could if, – if it gave you something like that that was vaguely criminal, you could sometimes say, what's my alternative? And then it's like, oh, you can drive a police car to, to catch this speeder was, or, or things like that. And it was uh, it was really awkward to control. Oh, it's very awkward, because yeah. Because you're using WSAD controls to uh, navigate this overhead like isometric environment. But at the same time, 
it was kind of a way to see like how well are your streets really laid out? How easy is it to get around your city? Oh yeah, for sure. And there was a, such a just a huge focus on roads with Rush Hour expansion pack, which now just comes with the game. Now it's like five bucks. Yeah, everything together is five bucks. Well, I think everything together is twenty. Oh, twenty. Yeah, really? For wow. Okay. Four, yeah. I didn't know it was still that expensive. Uh, yeah, with Rush Hour, like I feel like uh, the fo- the focus. I say I think, but I just bought it. As okay, research, so. it is okay. Thank you, Michael. Um, I feel like there's the the weird focus on uh, roads and rush in rush hour. Like uh, in the Sims, when I'm building a house, it's like, what kind of roof do you want? There's like 30 different kinds of roofs. I'm like, I don't know, even know what any of these are. With rush hour, there are like dozens of types of roads, like any kind of highway configuration you can think of, like a clover leaf. It, if if you like to build roads, I, I don't know who out there does, but like this is this is made for you. There's a psychopaths. Weird, yeah, exactly. There is such a crazy focus on roads, and and to the point where there is a road query tool that's separate from the query tool where you can click on the road. It'll tell you how many people pass on it and things like that. And if you click on a house, it'll show you the the trip the residents take every day to go to work. And if you click on a, like a workplace, it'll tell you the the trip people take home. So, like, the, the simulation runs at that deep of a level where you can find out people's uh, commute times, uh, how they get to work, what roads they take, things like that. It's really super deep, super dense. If you want to get down to that level, you can. And like I said, it is probably the most intimidating. But if you want the complete, complex SimCity experience and you've never played this, I totally recommend it. I mean, it. I can't see where they would go from here, which is why SimCity well, uh, 2013. City Skylines. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another game did it, I guess. But uh, we won't. We won't talk about SimCity 2013. But I feel like uh, SimCity 4 really does hold up. It still looks beautiful. It's a, it's a 2D game, but it still looks very beautiful. And uh, I did enjoy some parts of SimCity 2013. I, I do think it was kind of sabotage from the inside. It was an inside job. SimCity uh, was an inside job. It was a job. half-baked idea that was never fully realized. Yeah. And, and there it was, was fundamentally broken, and that was that. There was, some, there was a lot of dishonesty uh, with that game that I think did not help them at all. Well, I mean, it was – I mean, we're not going to get into it too much. No, no. We can we can bring it up That at game least. was extremely fun to play at the start. Yes, like, yes. You're like, oh, my God, this is great. Like Very it, pretty, very pretty. Very pretty. Well, like the – UI was fun, like it, you went through it really fast, but as soon as you got to the mid game, everything went to Poop. you know. <laughs> uh, like the traffic was the biggest problem, like just the traffic was totally effed. And yeah. like you could build your city around certain concepts, which was a great idea. You could build it around like tourism, or you could build it around like a commercial city. And if you built your city on tourism, well, you just give up because uh, you couldn't get enough money. Because the traffic and everything was too much of a problem. Like the AI was just totally bugged. Yeah, that's true. I did read articles about that before today. Like they they were lying about um, the, how the AI worked. It was just kind of like a random assortment that didn't work out the way that they told people it would. So I feel like it's been patched to hell and back. I don't know how fixed it is now, but I feel like they've done a ton of patches that might make it a much more playable experience. But there is still that, like Kat said, once your city gets big enough, it does kind of fall apart, the and experience. I wasn't at the review event at the time, but... I, I think there was a review event. I did not do it. Mm. But the people – it just goes to show the dangers of a review event because people went there and played it for a while and they built up a city and then they wrote the review, right? Well, that's not nearly enough time to really like kind of grok the problems yeah. that this game had. I did a preview event for that and I was really into it because I'm like, this is great. This is what I wanted. This is what I've been waiting for. But again, I didn't get that deep level SimCity play. Right. That is what is important eventually. And one consequence was that a lot of sites gave what was actually a fundamentally broken game, like 9.0s and that kind of thing. And it was only later that the real problems started to come out yeah. from people who were putting lots of time and energy into this game. And that was a huge problem ultimately because – 
Well, and not only that, like nobody could get into the game because it was always online. Like you couldn't yeah, play it offline. That, that's been fixed now. Yeah, thank God. And they but, made, and again they made excuses like, oh, it's, it's it's because it has to be online, but it never did. It was for piracy. It, piracy yeah. completely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that was kind of the end for Maxis. I mean, they still got The Sims. Like, Sims 4 came out just recently. Yeah, to, but... be, to be fair, I will say I have a friend who works at Maxis, and he what he told me is that it was one office that was shuttered, mm-hmm. but that the larger company is still around. Oh, really? That's yeah. good to hear. Weird. Okay. okay. Why didn't they tell me that? I was I so sad. I don't know. It was communicated during yeah, DLC. It was, it was not communicated. Well, okay, yeah. The Sims will continue into perpetuity. But can Unless Mac- they closed another one during GDC and I didn't hear. This was last year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, they closed the office in the East Bay. Right. Yeah, and the Emeryville one. Everything else is on Redwood Shores. So, yeah. I mean, so SimCity lives on through The Sims, uh, and The Sims will continue on forever because it continues to make just buckets of money. Yeah. But SimCity itself, RIP. Yeah. I think we'll see it again in our lifetimes, but not probably not anytime soon. I think that well has been poisoned uh, a little too much. Well, uh, City Skylines just totally took over. Yeah. Paradox is a... Well, frankly, they're a much more respected strategy game designer. Mm. Uh, Maxis has become like a lifestyle simulator at this point. I still think this, the SimCity name is important and is has recognition. And mm. uh, hopefully... Absolutely. Certainly more mainstream recognition. But City Skyline did really well, which just goes to show the appetite for a big city simulator. Like, people want those kinds of games. Yeah. But SimCity went, eh, it didn't work. So I guess I guess we have talked about the future of SimCity. Uh, Michael, how do you feel about uh, the future of this of this brand? Do you think it can ever come back? And how do you want to see it improve? If you do want to see it improve? Oh man, that's that's a lot of big questions. Uh, I think I think like any brand with uh, universal not uh, uh, was recognizability. I guess I think you know it has the potential to come back eventually, whether it's in five years or ten years, whatever. I don't I don't think uh, EA is just going to completely drop that brand, mm. but. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it uh, stable. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. You know, I, I, I think it's it's always a very big undertaking to create something like SimCity. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure what the future could hold for that. Hmm. I will say that uh, EA uh, right now are not being the best stewards of SimCity. Uh, there were uh, versions of SimCity for iOS, uh, interpretations of 3000. But I recently went on the iOS store using my iPhone. And I'm like, I'm going to type in SimCity and see what pops up. Uh, currently, the only version I can find is a crappy fish tank game where you have to wait to build things and, like, you know, pay money to to buy screws to build, like, buildings mm-hmm. and things like that. It's one of those many games that make oodles of money but are awful, cynical, and no fun in any way. Like, that is the only version of SimCity you can play on iOS, and that is a shame. Like, that game is perfect for iOS. It's perfect for portable gaming, and it sucks that you can't do that now. Didn't it come to DS at one point? It did, yeah. I believe there was mm-hmm. a 3000-ish version for... For DS, yeah, in some way. You're right, but, though. SimCity would be fantastic on mobile, except that it would be destroyed by in-app purchases, and that would be that. Yeah, I mean, before uh, they became vampires, there were there were versions, and they were just not updated for modern iOSs, so they, they disappeared. So now if you want to play SimCity, you've got that crappy, like, pay-to-play, whatever, and I have no time for that in my life. I hate those games so much. SimCity's dead. <laughs> I it mean, will live on. All we're going to get is a zombie version. Yeah, maybe someone can pry it away from EA, and then we'll be happier. I have absolutely no faith in EA. I'm just going to go play City <laughs> Skylines now. That's true. Maybe I need to move on. So 
I'm going to move on with this episode. Let's wrap up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitch.tv as Retronauts. And we're also on YouTube. Uh, go to our blog at Retronauts.com and go to our uh, page at usgamer.net. Jeremy and me and Kat, we all work there. Every Monday you can see a new post about uh, our new episode of Retronauts. And it contains links to things we talked about. Perhaps uh, we'll tell you what music we use in this episode and other things like that. So we always appreciate people reading our work at US Gamer, regardless of whether or not you want to visit that Retronauts blog page. Uh, how about you guys, Kat? Where can we find you? Hi, I'm Kat Bailey, and I'm a staff editor, well, a senior editor over at US Gamer, and I don't think I've ever wrote, written about US, uh, sorry, US, <laughs> SimCity over there, but um, maybe, I, maybe I will at some point. I'm also the host of Acts of the Blood God, our official RPG podcast. Um, I don't know why I'm calling it official here, but whatever. <laughs> and it's I'm, officially yours. It's officially mine. So, well, maybe there's an unofficial Axe of the Blood, uh, an unofficial US Gamer RPG podcast out there somewhere. I'm, I'm secretly <laughs> running one behind your back. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, that's what Retronauts is, Welcome right? to the better RPG podcast. Oh, snap. <laughs> and my, on Twitter, I'm the underscore catbot, where I mostly lament my really crappy sports teams, so... And Jeremy is still here. Jeremy, <laughs> wake up, wake up. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, Get over your fear of mayorship and let us know where we can find you. Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, what? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as GameSpite and on the internet at usgamer.net and various other projects like Gameboy.world, blah, 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 blah. And Michael, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Wikiparas, and uh, I run a video game podcast called Video Game Apocalypse that goes up every Friday at uh, com or LaserTimePodcast.com, which is a lot easier to spell. <laughs> it's part of the uh, larger LaserTime family of quality podcasts. Uh, I'm on. I'm on one of those. You regularly. are on one of those. I'm on Talking Simpsons, the chronological exploration of the Simpsons. We should be knee deep in the season three at this point. So please go to LaserTimePodcast.com and search, or just search for Talking Simpsons in your podcast device. And you can also find my work on Something Awful. And you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. It's been a long weekend, and we love making episodes. But we'll see you next weekend with a what? Next weekend, we'll see you on Monday with a brand new mini episode. Later, folks. 